Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever given it any thought who you'd like to be in charge of the world? I mean, besides you, because we probably all would pick ourselves, but have you given it any thought who you would like to have in charge of the world? Last night, I didn't stay up, but I read in the New York Times this morning that uh, Saturday Night Live opened up with making fun of our president once again, Um, and then they moved into a monologue by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, well, he, he played college football, became a professional wrestler, now he's an actor, and he officially announced, and I don't know if it was a joke or not, I haven't quite figured it out that he's going to run for president in 2020. And his running mate is Tom Hanks. (laughs) And, uh, you know, uh, he he was uh, full of humor, and uh, it was an interesting thing to see. And, you know, I bet you when Ronald Reagan was an actor, people would have laughed to think that he would become governor of California and then president of the United States. Uh, So... Kind of crazy stuff's happened in the world with leadership. It seems, though, for many years, there's been somewhat of a leadership vacuum in the world. Uh, There's been a lack of good, quality, character folks in leadership. And so I put it to us. Who do we want to run the world? Who would you like to see in charge of things? Now, if you're a Christian... Or if you've ever gone to Sunday school, the answer is Jesus, right? But think carefully about that answer. Think carefully about that answer. Because if you say you want Jesus in charge of the world, that squarely rules out you. It rules out you. And it rules out anything you would wish for there to be done in the world. Now, why do I say that? Because in honesty, this is your worst nightmare. Anyone else in charge of your life is your worst nightmare, right? If you don't think it is, then how about we stick around here till three this afternoon? How how about I preach for three, four, five hours today? How about I quit preaching, then we break into an hour-long prayer meeting, and then we get the guitars out, we sing some more songs, then we pray a little longer, and then we talk a little longer. I mean, most of you have plans, right? Most of you have expectations of how your day is going to go. And to have somebody else like me impose upon you an order for your day, my guess is a good number of folks would get up and leave a good number of folks would get up and leave and it's not a comment of whether you love jesus or not it's not a competition it's in a comment of i have stuff to do i'm in charge of today and doggone it steve you're not your window your window ends at 11 your window ends at 11 and if i'm gracious enough i'll stick around for sunday school You see, most of us do not want anyone else in charge. Why do people argue with doctors about their treatment? 
Why do people argue with pastors about interpretation of the scriptures? Why do people argue with math teachers? Actually, they don't argue with math teachers. They just complain about math teachers. I forgot. I'm my bad. You see, none of us like other people telling us what to do. And we've come to a point in the Lord's Prayer, and all of the songs we sang relate to this part of the Lord's Prayer. And I wish I would have picked them on purpose, but apparently the Holy Spirit did through me. All of the things that Jesus says in this prayer, now we get to the part where he says, well, let's read it. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Notice how he starts. This is how you should pray. Who's telling you this? Jesus. How do you know that? It's in red. Right? That's how you know that? Jesus is telling you that. If you follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as King, if you have allegiance to Him, whenever He says, this then is how you should do something, you better do it. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then the part that we get to today. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whose kingdom? Whose kingdom? See, you don't even want to say it. I don't even want to say it. I mean, I'll say it when we all say it together, but I mean, do I really mean it? His kingdom? His will? You see, this is your worst nightmare, this part of the prayer. This is your worst nightmare, this part of the prayer, because you want to get to the gimmies. And right before the gimmies, what does Jesus say? Your will be done. Have you ever had a prayer not answered? Can we see a, a show of hands? Anybody experience that? Anybody ever experience that? I mean, if you've never experienced that, perhaps you're not praying. If you have never experienced a prayer not being answered the way you want it answered, you haven't spent any time on the gimme list. Garth Brooks wrote a song about this years ago. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer, you know. And uh, he was at a football game, saw a chick that he wanted to date in high school, and, and it didn't work out. And he was thankful for the gal he ended up marrying and the kids and blah, 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 blah. And he wrote this amazing tearjerker song, Sometimes I Thank God for Unanswered Prayer. But the song didn't say anything about it. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer when my loved one died of cancer. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer when my son or daughter struggled with this or that. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer when my loved one didn't accept Jesus Christ as far as I know before they passed away. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer when my marriage fell apart, though I was praying it would stay together. Sometimes I, those, aren't, those aren't those types of country songs. <laughs> those are different types of country songs, right? Those are heartbreak songs. 
Those are tear, tear in my beer kind of country songs. <laughs> we rarely thank God for unanswered prayer. I mean, maybe this is more an expose of me and my prayer life than it is of yours. Maybe you are more spiritual and you've got things more figured out than me. But for me, I rarely thank God for unanswered prayer. I wrestle with unanswered prayer. And I'm starting to understand when I experience unanswered prayer, it's because I got my prayer topsy-turvy. I forgot a key, crucial component. Thy will be done. It's your worst nightmare. You see, when we come to this part, many of us think that this means, Lord, give me the strength to be good today. Lord, help me to follow the rules today. And that's, that's part of it. But it ever crossed your mind that God has a will for the world? God has a will for the church? God has a will for your life? And I'm not talking about who you should marry and what car you should buy and what house you should live in. I'm talking about I'm talking about his plan for you. His very specific, he's got things in mind for you to achieve, to accomplish, to do in your life. You see, we talked about God's plan for the world weeks ago when we were talking about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. And God has this plan, and eventually he's going to bring heaven and earth together. They're going to not just overlap, they're going to be one. And God will rule and reign. See the prayer? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let up there come down here. Let it be here like it is there. And if you ever wake up with a bum knee, a thrown out back, a headache, you know that it's not down here like it is up there. I mean, if up there is like that, we ain't wanting to be there. We want a place where every tear is wiped away, where every heartbreak is fixed, where everything that's wrong with this world is put to rights. That's what we crave. That's what we long for. And quite frankly, that's what the Bible promises. But the way this happens is by God's will. Part of the problem is you and I are lumps of earth. We are lumps of earth. We are lumps of clay. And God's will, if it's going to happen on earth, it has to start in us. It has to start in these lumps of clay. It has to start in the church. It has to start somewhere. And God's plan is that when you transfer your allegiance from idolatry and your own kingdom, and you transfer your allegiance to Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit and His kingdom, then His will is being done. But it doesn't stop there. When we pray this prayer, we are saying, God, make me holy. God, help me to follow the rules. But, listen to this. This blew my mind when I read this. A 
an ancient, not an ancient, he was 17th century, that's not that ancient, but it feels ancient because I wasn't alive back then. Thomas Watson, 17th century writer, put it in a frightening way. He said, when you pray, thy will be done. Jesus is telling you to pray two things. He's praying, he's saying you are praying that you might do diligently all he commands. So the first thing you pray is, let me do all that you command. But the second thing is this, that you also might submit patiently to all he inflicts. That you might submit patiently to all he inflicts. You see, as you've been learning in systematic theology uh, with Daniel and Reese, God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. God is all-loving. Therefore, God has the strength and power. He has the wisdom, the ability, and he has the love to keep bad things from happening to you, correct? If that's not correct, then God's not God. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-loving. He's not all-wise. If he is all-powerful, but bad things happen to you, why are they happening to you? What's going on? I sat knee to knee with a young man this week, and he thinks the things that are happening to him that are bad are because God has a demerit system in heaven. He thinks that all the good things I do, God keeps a tally. And all the bad things I do, God keeps a tally. And I said, all right, let's go through your day. Let's see how you're doing with your little tally. Did you kiss your mom on the way out? Were you nice to your sister? This, that, and the other thing. I mean, by the time we were done, there was a lot more bad than there was good. And I said, well, no wonder your life is horrible. You're a horrible person. This is my pastoral insight for him that day. But isn't that how many of us think? The reason my life is horrible, it must be I deserve this. I did something for this. I deserve it. I am a horrible person. But aren't you glad? No, I got to back up. Many of you don't realize it doesn't work that way. You have a karma system. You have an Eastern religion system. You think what comes around goes around. You have this system in place that is antithetical, that is completely contrary to everything in the Bible. It is not karma. If it was karma, you should be dead now. I haven't even followed around most of you, some of you. I'm keeping an eye on some of you. You see, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Some of us deserve time in prison because of things we've done. But we weren't found out. And grace is receiving what you don't deserve. Getting things that you have not at all earned. That's grace. We are all recipients of God's mercy and God's grace in a myriad of ways. And because these things are true, when bad things happen to us, we are, in a sense, being inflicted by God. These things are an affliction from God. And when we pray, thy will be done in our lives, we are saying, Help me to patiently 
submit to you. Does that sound hard? Oh, my. You thought the Lord's Prayer was a, you know, I got this memorized. This is easy. I mean, bam, we're done. Why does he need to preach like four or five, six weeks on this? I mean, how ridiculous is that? Come up with something else to talk about. I already got this one figured out. Jesus says, when you pray this, when you pray this, you are in the process of wrestling your will into submission of God's will. When we pray this, we are learning from Jesus that the purpose of prayer is not that God would give us whatever we want. The purpose of prayer is not that God would bend to our will, but that we would melt and soften our will to God's. That's the purpose of prayer. According to Jesus, he would kind of know a couple things about this since before he was incarnate on earth. He sat around in heaven hearing a bunch of people babble in prayer. He heard them. Because another doctrine that we believe about God is he is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is omniscient. And Jesus was privy to every single human prayer that had ever been prayed. And he showed up and he said, gang, you're doing it wrong. Let me show you. Let me teach you. This then is how you should pray. Now, there's a couple of things you need to keep in mind. One is you started out by saying, all together now, what's that? Our Father. Father. You started out by saying, our Father. And that is insanely good news. Because when you start out that way, when you remember he is your father, it's not like he's a bad dad that took you to the toy store and showed you everything and flashed a credit card and then said, you can't have nothing. It's not like he's a bad dad. But every good father, there are many times they are hard to understand from a child's perspective. Every good father, there are times that they do not give their kids what they want. Every good father has a bigger picture, has a bigger perspective, has more wisdom than the child, has a deeper insight into what really needs to be accomplished in that kid's life, correct? You ever argued with a kid who's got poopy pants and they don't want to have their pants changed? That's a really bad choice, kid. Do you know the way to fix that? Let them do it. Then they'll be running to you every five minutes to change their diaper. And you'll also have to deal with a diaper rash. Kids have a limited perspective on what is wise, on what is good, on what is perfect. Think of this. God calls us children. God calls himself father. He is a perfect father. We see this in Isaiah 63, that our perfect father, when we are in distress, he is in distress. But that does not mean that he comes riding to the rescue when you invoke a prayer and he fixes it or he gives you or he does what you want. He has an agenda. He has a plan. 
He has a purpose. He has a will. And you are taught by Christ to begin your prayer. Thy will be done. There are preachers today, word of faith preachers, who say we should not pray this because it shows a lack of faith. That is anathema. That is blasphemy. That is wrong. They, their publishers should not publish that garbage any longer. Jesus said, what? This then is how you should pray. I don't care what Fred Price says. He's wrong. Because Fred Price is not in the scriptures. Thank God. Jesus himself said, thy will be done. And he's saying, you must submit to me. That Mercedes that you haven't gotten yet, Steve? That winning lotto ticket you haven't gotten, Steve? The Rockies winning the World Series yet, Steve? The Eagles baseball team going 0-20 this year, Steve? All those things that you wish, that you desire, that you want, must not have been your, his will. Man, man, that makes me upset. I'm going to throw a temper tantrum. Like he cares. I've watched some dads deal with their kids that have a temper tantrum. They just walk away. Let the kid melt down. I bet God does the same. <laughs> feel free. I mean, I feel distressed when you're distressed. But this is kind of stupid. This is kind of childish. You see, we will never understand the exact ways, the methods, what God is trying to accomplish in us. But we have his word on what he's trying to accomplish in us. He is trying to make you holy. He is trying to make you godly. He is trying to shape your character into the character of Jesus Christ. And the only way this happens that I have learned is it's through fire. It's through the furnace. Because all of us have hearts of stone, have hearts of metal, and our hearts want God to bend to our will. We do not want to bend to his. Right here in the prayer, Jesus has embedded the upside-downness, the inside-outness of Christianity. Do you remember when Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you must lose it for my sake. If you want to be blessed, he says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus does not say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for blessedness. If you want to be happy in life, if you want to be blessed in life, if you want to be righteous in life, the way to have all that is to seek righteousness before all, to seek Christ, to seek God, to seek the Holy Spirit before everything else. And if you don't do this, you will be frustrated in prayer. You will always be frustrated in prayer because you and I want to skip to the gimmies. 
You and I want to skip to the help me's. You and I want to skip ahead. We don't want to stop. We don't want to submit. We don't want to bend the knee. We don't want to go into the furnace. We do not want to be afflicted. We do not want to suffer. We want it fixed. And this prayer says, well, I can't say it any better than John Wesley. John Wesley, he was an Anglican priest who was very methodical, and he gave rise to the Methodists. That's why they're called Methodists, because they had a method. Every town he went to, he had a method. And they had little groups of 10 to 12 people, and they had a particular method of discipleship that they would follow. And so they became known as the Methodists. And John Wesley had a very famous prayer. And he used to pray it every day, twice a day, three times a day. And it's basically another version of Jesus' little phrase, thy will be done. Listen to this prayer. It's a scary prayer. But listen to this prayer. Perhaps this prayer is why John Wesley was who John Wesley was. He says this, I am no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine, and I am Thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. I'm going to post that on the church's Facebook feed because I've been praying that prayer a lot recently, and I don't like it. And I want some friends of mine to suffer along. (laughs) He doesn't ask for much. In this prayer, you know what he's asking for? Do you really know what the heart of Jesus is in this prayer? What Jesus is saying, before you get to any of the gimmies, because those are important, he, he does remember you need bread. And by the way, he doesn't say cappuccino or latte or ferrari or john deere or case or steiger because we made a tractor he says bread these are the things you need not just what you need but what you think you have to have to make it those things that you think you need to have to make it in life And I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what that is. But if there is anything that you think you need to have more than God, you're an idolater. If there's anything you need to have Jesus plus, you're an idolater. If there's anything you think you need besides God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you worship God things that are created and not the creator of things. If you keep this in mind when you get to the gimmies, 
Doesn't it change the gimmies? Doesn't it change the gimme? I need this. I need this. I'll die without it. I got to have it. You better take care of me. You better fix this. You better get this done. You better do this. Really? He's on the hook? God of the universe is on the hook for you. You know, he brought you in the world. He can take you out and he'll bring another one just like you. More so than even the joke that Bill Cosby told years ago. I mean, he literally could take you out of the world and bring another one just like you. Why on earth would he be on the hook for anything that you or I need? And let me follow that up with saying very quickly, I hate what just came out of my mouth. There's a part of me that just goes, ugh. How on earth do we get the power to do this? Where do we get the ability to say this? Because I know Steve, and Steve has his kingdom, and Steve has his wants, and Steve has his needs. Those things that he thinks he needs more than God. Those things that he thinks he needs plus Jesus. Where on earth am I going to get the power? Where on earth am I going to get the power when life hurts, when things are going bad, when those things that are wrong in my life, I want them fixed now and God is quiet. And I just think, oh, I need more faith. I need more people praying. I need the prayer chain. I need a bigger prayer chain. I need like the world prayer chain. I need to go to a prayer house and hang out for 50 hours and pray. I need to fast. I need to... I am busy trying to fill in the I'm being good and God's on the hook side of the merits. And thank God he doesn't work on karma. He doesn't work that way. He has a will. He has a plan. And sometimes as a perfect father, it means Steve, the kid, is going to suffer. Because Steve, you need to be more holy. Steve, you need better character. Steve, you need to be a deeper person. Steve, you need to be more godly. Your responses are horrible. (laughs) They're childish. And they need to change. That's God talking to me. I don't know about you guys. You see, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Basically, this is what the Bible is teaching us. That when things are going poorly, especially when the Father seems to be putting you in situations that go against your grain. Anybody been there? That go against the things you feel like you need. Then you especially need to pray, then, thy will be done. You especially need to pray it then. Before, especially before you get to the gimmies. Because the gimmies and the thy will are intrinsically linked together. They go together. God's going to give you what you need. And that is a key qualifier. What you need. Do you know what you need more than anything? You need to quit being a dollar. You need to worship the one true God. You need God. (laughs) I I think Jesus is saying that when he says, pray thy will be done, what he is saying to us, what God is saying to us is, I don't want you to seek things. I want you to seek me. 
I don't want you to give me your requests. I want you to give me yourself. I don't want your requests. I want you. I think that's what God is saying here. And where on earth are we going to get the power, the strength to say those things? Do you remember on the night when Jesus was betrayed? He took a handful of the disciples. He took three because they were the three he always took with him. And why did he take them? Because he liked them more? No, that's not my theory. He took them because he couldn't trust them to stay back at camp with everybody else. And he took them and he said, pray with me. I'm going to go a little further, deeper into the garden. I'm going to pray. You watch, you pray. He comes back and the knuckleheads are asleep. That's why he couldn't leave them at camp because everybody at camp's probably praying. But these three, they need Jesus' help. And even when he's helping, they can't do it. And he goes off and he prays. And it tells us in the scriptures that Jesus was so distraught in his prayer that sweat poured out of his body as if it was blood. In fact, this is a medical condition. You can actually sweat blood. This is what Christ did. Now, why would you sweat blood? What has to be going on in your life, especially when you're the son of God? What could be so bad looking you in the face that you have to sweat blood during prayer? Because I have never even sweated during prayer. Unless it was really hot, right? But this kind of exertion, this kind of anxiety, this kind of, of wrestle with God, how does one experience that? Well, there's this little town in Pennsylvania. And it was... It experienced one of the worst disasters in U.S. history. There was a, it was at the end of this narrow, steep valley. And at the top of this valley was a lake. It was a man-made lake. There was a dam that was holding back the waters. And the dam broke. The water kept, started running down the valley. And on its way, The witnesses who watched this, because it killed thousands, but witnesses who were able to get to safety and watch this, they said that the wave of water that was coming towards the town was taller than this building. And the wave of water did not look like water. It was trees and locomotives and houses and rocks, and it was on fire. And that's what Jesus saw that night. He saw something like that coming at him. He saw the wrath of God on sin. He saw God wanting to fix this world. And the answer was the death of his son. And that's what Jesus was praying about. And do you know what his prayer was? We only know one piece of his hours of hours of long prayer. He said, Father, if at all possible, take this cup from me. But then he said, not my will, but thine be done. See, that's where we find the ability, the power, the strength to pray this. That's why we can pray thy will be done, because we have a God who prayed it himself. We have a God who prayed it with blood coming out of his body. 
We have a God who prayed it hanging on a cross. We have a God who prayed it. Look at the sacrifice he made. Look at what it cost him to say, thy will be done. It is nothing like what it's going to cost you to say that. Not even close. Lord, if you were able to say it under those circumstances, I can say it under mine. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you we can call you Father. Thank you that you are good and perfect. Thank you that we don't always understand you. You wouldn't be much of a God if we could. I pray, Father, that when we find ourselves in difficult times, when everything in life is not right, when things aren't going as we had hoped and dreamed and planned and prayed for, that especially those times, Holy Spirit, you remind us to pray, Thy will be done. And we would submit to you. Help us to remember that prayer is for the losers. That it is for the losers. As we submit to you, we win. Help us to submit ourselves and our wills and our desires to yours. And let us come out of that fire, that furnace, deeper, more holy, more godly people. Holy Spirit, make it so. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May his will be done. Amen.